tired. So tired. Overtired. Hey there, you're listening to Overtired, and I am Brett Terpstra. I am here with Christina Warren. How are you, Christina? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, um, uh, I didn't get a ton of sleep, but that's okay. Um, but I'm I'm not overtired. We're recording this at like an actual normal time for me versus the super early time that we've been doing it, which I appreciate. I won't be able to talk about why that is um, uh, soonish. But um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? So I I was super stable for almost two weeks, like just feeling great like super normal and it's those times when you're like oh this is what everyone feels like all the time uh my relationship was like outstanding super in love just able to like be present and then what day is it it's friday on mm-hmm. wednesday night uh i i got a little manic not super manic but manic enough to not sleep And uh, then Thursday, I felt calm, but, you know, I hadn't slept for 24 hours, so I was super tired. Last night, I slept great, like it seems to have passed, but now I'm in that place where you stay up for a whole night, you pull an all-nighter, and then you sleep the next night, and then that day, that is the definition of overtired, that feeling when you can barely, barely function. Yep, you are correct. So, okay. Um, so, so you're definitely kind of overtired now. So I guess, uh, and that's kind of a good update of like um, a Brett's mental health corner, but you've also, you've had the week off too. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, first, that means that uh, a brief manic episode, I get to spend pouring time into my crazy projects instead of working all night on work stuff. So that's cool. It was nice to have a week off. It's it's weird. I kept checking in all week. Um yeah. To kind of cuz like Aaron, my coworker, is out for the month and Victor just started. So me taking a week off meant I left Victor with 2 weeks of experience to fend. He's the only person left on the team. It's a team of 3 and two of us are gone. So I, I minimally, but I checked in to try to make sure things were okay. Um, it, it was still relaxing though. Oh, yeah. Before we go oh, too far, let me mention. I was going to say, I hear dogs. So we have house cleaners. Uh, we managed to get the house clean enough for my girlfriend to feel comfortable bringing in house cleaners. Uh, So we have a a couple upstairs using a bunch of natural cleaning products to do a deep clean on our house for two hours, which is excessive in my opinion, but I also don't care about how clean a house is. So as a result of that, though, I have to have our small little cattle dog rat terrier mix in my office so she's not up there bothering the house cleaners and she is not loving it so you will hear some huffing gruffing and occasional barks i have my cough button handy i'll try to have i'll try to avoid having to do major edits on this and there may just be some barking and i have both cats in my office because that's where they wanted to be so 
Bod is crawling around on piles of cables. My mic could get disconnected at any time. The dog is pacing and growling, not growling, huffing. And Yeti's sleeping, but that's, he's fine. But anyway, this is probably going to go wrong. Uh, there will be some complications. Yeah, there there are always complications. And that's completely okay. Like, I think that's fine. I think like, yeah, you know, that happens. So I'm definitely but- rambly. Yeah, I was gonna say you're definitely rambly. You you seem um, I, I I don't you don't seem manic, but like if it's like a kind of like the tiredy kind yeah. of like it's yeah, overtired. you know what I mean. I'm overtired. Yeah, exactly. You're overtired because that's how I get when I'm overtired. I talk a lot and I'm even more than usual, and I'm like, yeah. So um, okay, I'm opening up our document to kind of look at our stuff. Um, oh. So. You'll note in that document under sponsors, I put your name next to one so you can uh, you can help out with the reads this week. Wonderful. Thank you. I will I will earn my keep. Um, okay, so oh, this is actually good because that because I'm, I'm okay, so okay, actually, this is interesting because you were hacking around on a bunch of stuff. What is FCF? Oh man. okay, so FCF is this tool that there's been a bunch of like menuing tools over the years that you can feed like a list of items to and it gives you a uh, uh, GUI uh, like a terminal GUI menu yes. and FCF is by far the coolest one you like if you just do like an LS uh, to list all your files and pipe it to FCF it gives you a fuzzy matching type ahead search with arrow key navigation, the uh, Lulu, the option for multiple selections, and when you hit return, it just passes the select the selection back to the terminal, so you can pipe other commands through it, and then pipe the results to other commands. It's a perfect inline tool, and I've been incorporating it into uh, the majority of the the command line tools that I have publicly released i am now changing all of the crappy read line based menus into fcf menus and it's super cool that's awesome that's awesome i love it um yeah and i'm kind of looking at you've got some other nerd stuff too that you've been doing as you mentioned um uh so doing i gotta tell you about doing yeah so i keep i doing is this tool I've probably talked about before, but it's a command line tool that I built because I would work for a few hours on a bunch of different things and forget everything that I had done. Then I would leave and I would get back and I would forget what I was working on. I'm ADHD. I I need memory aids. So doing lets me type things on my command line, like doing now, uh, getting ready to podcast for over uh, an overtired. And it adds that to a task paper style file. I can type just doing and it'll show me like the last 10 things that I was doing. And it has time tracking and you can mark things as done, uh, canceled. And it, it's it's powerful. Like it has 50 some sub commands. It's, it's cool. And, and I put in FCF integration into that, into that too. And I just, every time I get into like coding sprees, I end up finding something I wish doing could do and then spending an hour adding it to doing. And it's just grown over the last five years. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. So has it been, has it been good? I mean, other than your kind of manic stuff and doing like having to feel like you still had to check in at work, has it been nice to be able to just focus on work stuff or not work stuff on like project fun stuff. stuff? Yeah. 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 Like I can do this shit for like days on end. Uh, once I get into coding, I find it very relaxing and very rewarding and it really feeds like the dopamine receptor, figuring out something new and like making it work is like ADHD reward center lights up every time. Yeah, I love it. It's great. I see here that you've got, I'm just like kind of looking through your thing. Um, uh, this is actually, this is interesting to me. You have Jekyll and the Future of Static Block. This is interesting <laughs> to me because I've been actually, I haven't like launched it yet, but I've been actually working on a static site, um, uh, Hugo-based yeah. um, the last uh, few days. But I'm, I'm curious, but I've also been looking at like various headless, you know, CMS options, whether like, you know, a headless ghost or, or WordPress or something else. So I'm curious, um, your uh, your thoughts on this? Well, okay. So I'm a huge fan of static sites. Yes. Um, I don't know that I will ever intentionally create uh, a CMS-based site for myself again, ever. Um, I will create WordPress sites for other people because it's easy for non-tech people to get into and control and, and maintain on their own. But yes. for my own stuff, whether I'm building a documentation site or a blog or just a one-off, I always love static site generators. And Jekyll is the one I've been using for a decade, and I'm most comfortable with it. It's built in Ruby, and I'm super uh, competent with creating like plugins and yeah. hacking it to do what I want it to do. But it's technically a dead project. Yes. Yeah. They've even like confirmed that like they are, are not, you know, like even GitHub pages, I, I think, isn't even on like the latest Jekyll version. No, like, they're like a, a full like major release behind. Exactly. Like, like, I think you can you can use the GitHub action yep. to manually do it right. if you want. But but yeah, and, and, and I there's some guy who's created a fork of Jekyll. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because he he's mad that the Jekyll project won't directly like link to his thing. It's in my GitHub stars, but I've had a bunch of stars since since. Let me find this. Uh, keep keep talking though about about yeah. what you've been looking at. Well, so like we we ended up using Jekyll for the uh, publishing system I built for Oracle. Uh, they needed something fast, something that integrated with GitHub and. Uh, and Jekyll was something both myself and the kind of Git pro on the team were familiar with. So we went with Jekyll and I think Jekyll's going to have a long life despite lack of development. Oh, totally. Well, I mean, and the reason that it doesn't have development is like they consider it done. Like they don't really see anything more to do with it. It's called Bridgetown. Um, it is, is, is this, uh, is this guy's project and i don't know how well it's going to uh take off or or not um Interesting. but uh a yeah, modern I, ruby I, website framework i will be digging into this um yeah but like so all of these other static site generators have come up <laughs> some have already gone but um hugo is is really big hugo's in node right uh, no, it's in Go. Oh, really? I have no idea yeah. how to use Go. Well, that that doesn't matter as much. I mean, a lot of it is. is well, I want to be able to hack on whatever I use, though. 
Okay, yeah, well, well, well it's in Go, um, and, and since, hence the, the Go name and Hugo. Ah, that makes perfect sense. What? Um, Ghost was, Ghost showed up a long time ago. Where is Ghost at these days? It's good. So, so Ghost is Node. Ghost is Node. And ironically, so I have a funny ghost story. So I knew John O'Nolan, one of the uh, co-founders, co-creators, a little bit from the WordPress kind of community stuff. And he had this idea. He worked on the WordPress project, and then he was, like, frustrated with aspects of it, and he created kind of a mock-up page. And I even wrote, I was, like, about, I was, like, this is a WordPress I would love to use. And he was, like, I, I... I want to kind of like what if WordPress was more like Medium and 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 was more modern and, and didn't have a lot of the you know legacy stuff that is kind of been encumbering it, and so they created a Kickstarter project for uh, Ghost and this was I don't know want to say 2014 um, and I um, got on the phone with him and was was going to it was 2013 actually end of uh, September 2013 so wow we're we're eight um we're seven years oh, no eight years we're we're eight years now that, that this happened and um it was uh and, and they called it just a blogging platform because at that point you know WordPress had gone on to be bigger and do a lot of other things and he was like oh, I just want something that'll be you know modern but but um also you know just beautiful to look at and, and just for blogging and so I talked to him on the phone for a while and I was working on the article but it took me a little bit of time to get it up. And so he wound up, I guess he was worried that it wasn't going to go up or not. And so he like half threatened, half whatnot. He was like, is, is, is the article going to go up? Is it going to go up? I'm like, it's, it's coming. It's coming. He wound up shipping me like 30 pounds of marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, that was funny. And that was, that was kind of enough to kind of like kick my ass in gear. Anyway, that my post was able, I think, I think that they were able to directly attribute from the Mashable Post like fifty thousand dollars in funding or something. Nice. Um, which, which still to this day makes me feel really good because the project is now, you know, they have the hosted service that they that they sell, um, but they also, you know, have the open source thing. What they've pivoted to a little bit, it's still kind of blogging and websites and whatnot. But what they've pivoted to, which is smart, is that they added a, a newsletter feature a couple years ago, and at this point, it, they really it is kind of a self-hosted substack um, if you were to self-host it or if you were to use Ghost Pro. So that is kind of the way that they've kind of pivoted a little bit now is that they see themselves as like, okay, you can have a, a, a newsletter platform, but also have a blog associated with it, which I think is actually um, smart. I actually advised on Ghost when they were first launching back in the days of that Kickstarter. Um, oh, really? They contacted me as a... Uh, a, a markdown person. They yeah. wanted, they, they asked for w what I would want to see in a markdown blogging platform. And uh, I, I don't remember what I told them. I remember they incorporated at least one of my suggestions, um, but it's been so long that I don't, I don't, but it was an honor just to be nominated, you know? No, totally, totally. <laughs> and um, no, I mean, I think that, um, that, and and they still they they run as kind of like a you know like they're they're pretty lean. I'm not sure how many you know full time people they have. They're fully remote. Um, it's still all OSS. You know, you can self host it yourself or, or put it on a digital ocean droplet, which is usually the easiest way to do it. And um, 
you know, I'm I'm proud of them. You know, I, I still see people who have a lot of stuff with it. I mean, I think the Jamstack has basically kind of sucked a lot of the air out of the room. But for people who are wanting to do this sort of stuff that that they do, um, especially you know, when it comes to like if you're wanting to set up your own you know paid newsletter platform, and you didn't want to use Substack or Twitter's review or something else, it's definitely one of the only it's one of the easiest things out there that has any sort of you know open source component to it so which is really cool totally um this 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 whole section should yeah we should just do a static blogging show there's so many cool platforms out there like i i'm looking through the plugins for this bridge bridgetown Mm-hmm. What was it? Bridgerton? No. Bridgerton Bridgetown. Something like Bridgetown, Bridgetown. yeah. Um, there, there's an insane amount of really like plugins I want to use. And if they're not backwards compatible with Jekyll, I might consider switching because I think I could make my current plugins forward compatible. This is Yeah, I bet you could. I that and I wonder if I could make it work with GitHub pages. Um I wonder if anyone has created a GitHub action to publish that because that's we're using github actions with oracle because with the github action oh you already said this but with the github action you can use whatever version of jekyll you want exactly um you know it's running in a container and you can set up the environment with custom plugins which is really the like the big deal for me because i want to be able to they have, you know, it's a, you're working for a corporation. They're going to have weird off the wall requests. Uh, Absolutely. And you're going to have to be able to do customization. If anything, like an open source project project is going to work. Mm-hmm. So that's a requirement. I am so rambly. I am sorry. No, that's completely okay. That's completely okay. Yeah, no, Bridgetown seems really cool. I mean, this is how they kind of describe it. Webpack aware Ruby powers static site generator for the modern Jamstack era, which I mean, I think is is a, a good thing of doing because Jekyll, look, and it's fair, right? Like they, it's reached kind of the place where it works, and and I I think that it has a long life in front of it, and I don't know if it if it's necessarily one of those things that people need more out of it. Um, but this guy, I guess he built a bunch of sites, you know, using Jekyll and really liked it and wanted to make his own improvements. And, and so he was, um, he was doing that. Um, you know, if you go to jamstack.com and you go to generators, like there's so many generators, like you said, it's crazy. And jamstack.com, I believe that's a net, it is, it is owned by Netlify. Um, Netlify obviously has just, you know, like blown up my, my, uh, my good friend, Sarah used to be their, um, um, VP of engineering, but, um, She's at Google now, but, um, you know, like it's been fascinating watching them over the last three years or so just blow up because not, A, it's a really good product, um, but B, you know, just like the the static site thing is just taken over to the point that like if I were WordPress, I mean, WordPress is going to be okay. Don't get me wrong. And, but, but you know, they, they power so much of the web, like they're, they're fine, but I, if I were them, like they actually just acquired automatic anyway, just acquired um, some uh, like company that made like a front end, I guess they were like, it was a react based thing, basically doing like, like headless WordPress, but you know, with, with react front ends sure. and they, and they just, so they had their own framework, I guess, or what front city or something like that. Anyway, automatic acquired it. So it's now part of like the, the wordpress.com family. Although to my knowledge, they are not going to be working on that anymore. They're going to be doing other things. At automatic, but if I were people who worked at like 
you know, automatic and, and or were other people who were hardcore involved in like making my living as an agency off of WordPress, I would probably be looking very strongly into the static space and either figuring out like, is there a headless, you know, solution that I can come up with? Do I want to look at other things? Because while for end users, the entry, you know, the ease of use and whatnot of, of a CMS can be good for developers, for both bandwidth costs and for other things, you know, like it's so much better to have a static site if you can and to be able to publish, especially like having like a, you know, a Git, you know, a, you know, workflow is not as fast as as you were commenting earlier, you had to fix something on your blog and it's it's not as fast depending on on what your setup is. But it's also once you get things done, I think from most people's sites, if you're not publishing stuff literally all the time, you know, where you're having to to do tons of dynamic content like well, all the time. I don't know if you need it, you know? Even, even with a database based site. Uh, once you get into uh, good caching and yep. I mean, even a good WordPress site is still delivering static content. Oh, no, you're um, right. You're and, right. And and it's it still take nothing is instant. Like you still no. have to clear out caches and and but and use cache busters. And it's just more so with a static site. Like if I want to make a correction on my Jekyll blog and my Jekyll blog was built in like 2010. Right. And I have kind of patched the code forward, but it still is, it does, it can't take full advantage of like Jekyll's um, uh, incremental rendering and uh, live reload and stuff. So developing on that site is a bit slower of a process. And then I use all of these plugins that uh, when I build for deployment, it, it injects uh, like CDN URLs with right. cache busters so that the new build won't load old assets. And so everything takes a couple extra yeah. minutes. And uh, if I want to yeah. make a spelling correction on a blog post, all told, if I if I do a... Hold on, I have to yell at a dog. I yelled at a dog, but I was on mute, so you didn't have to hear it. Um, if I want to make a spelling correction and I'm going through and I'm going to test it before I upload it, which is always a good idea. Um, I, I'm looking at 10 minutes just to change one letter on a blog post. So that's not the case with WordPress. Like with WordPress, it, I don't know. It takes me like five minutes to load up the goddamn interface. It's well, no, so that's slow. No, that's the thing. I mean, actually, it's funny because at, at one time, Mashable was the largest WordPress install uh, for a long time we were. And, and, and they, our MySQL... They tried to hire... Do you remember that? They wanted to yes. hire me to build sure a do. Ruby API yep. on top sure of do. WordPress, but I gave them too high a price and they stopped talking to me. Which is a shame because you would have liked that team. Um, and, and Robin was a good guy. He's at CNN now. I don't, I don't even know. He was on... He, Robin's very well off but um uh he's worked at a lot a lot of places but uh yeah because i remember you talking to because you talked to robin right i don't remember I, robin I, uh, peterson but anyway um but he uh great guy uh, he was our cto um and uh we got him from conde nast i think and um he um uh really nice guy but he um oh yeah he he's a he's now the the chief technology officer and svp at uh cnn um, so anyway, Mashable has the biggest WordPress we had the install. Biggest. Anyway, we, we had the biggest WordPress install. Uh, it, it, like our, our MySQL database 
was across three servers. Like it was massive. Like it was ridiculous. And because it was so big and because of the caching and the other issues, they did do a headless thing basically years, a decade close to before that really became like the a very de facto concept. So the idea would be we still use a very old kind of lockdown version of WordPress as the CMS for many years. And then they eventually built their own CMS, which is always a mistake, but whatever. <laughs> it never um, goes well. It never goes well. Well, they'd hope to commercialize it and they weren't going to. Um, but but then it would, you know, use uh, either, either Ruby or Python. I'm not, I don't remember which one now um, to, you know, um, uh, publish in on the front end. And, um, but, but we did have that issue where, you know, if you wanted, you could make an update to the post, but because of caching and other stuff, it could take some time to show back up on the site. So yeah. we'd have to like, you'd have to manually, there were, there were characters you could enter in to like force or refresh right. of, of, of the, of the page and whatnot. And then the, the homepage was interesting because it was dynamically, there were, there was three columns and one of the columns was like chronological, one of the columns was, I guess, like specifically chosen, you know, to be what was featured. And then the middle column was dynamically determined based on um, like what they were calling like hot or rising. And that was based on signals like how often is this being shared? How often is this being read? So like how many Twitter or Facebook shares, how many people are reading it at one time? Like what's the trajectory where people are thinking, oh, this is going to be a hot story. And then it will be promoted to the the hot column, which... Um, at the time when it, it launched, and you know, again, this was close to a decade ago, was like, you know, hot shit. Like that was that was a cool thing, and that was one of those things where they couldn't do that with just normal WordPress, right? Like yeah. it, to be able to take in those signals. And um, remember, uh, I had like a, a, a kind of a it was a good talk conversation, but I had it was slightly contentious. He's a very nice guy, but I had like a, a kind of a debate in person with Matt Mullenweg about that. He was like, "Oh well, no, they could have done this and this and this." And I was kind of talking to him about. It. I was like, "Yeah, it would have required significantly more engineering efforts and overhead to try to replicate that experience versus just building something against their own APIs and then just using this, you know, the term we now use is headless." And he had to begrudgingly. Agree that that WordPress in in 2012 was not capable of doing that. But anyway, there's that's a, me rambling. There's a JSON API plugin for WordPress that I used it for a lot of uh, hacking that actually makes WordPress usable. Um, I can't even remember what I did with it. I wrote a lot of plugins for WordPress, but I'm so tired of PHP. Yeah. Although at this point, most of WordPress, it, the, a lot of the direction is is JavaScript, which is freaking out a lot of that community, from what I understand, because you have like the older stalwarts who are still the PHP people, and I don't get and, it. And um, it, you know, and it aren't ready to go into the JavaScript world, which is clearly where the future of it is kind of going to be. Um, with but. They released the REST API. I don't even remember how long ago, and people still don't really use that except for some of the higher end, you know, like agency places and whatnot. But I, think, I don't know. I used to, if people asked me they wanted to get into coding and they wanted to know what language to learn, I used to just tell everyone Python because it just, like, I'm not good at Python. Right. But when I talk to people who, who got into coding and got good at it, most of them started with Python. So I have just assumed with the number of libraries <clears throat> available and everything that, that Python was a good place to start. But honestly, JavaScript, like 
If you learn JavaScript and because uh, you can go server side or front end with it now, yep. and you can do JavaScript for automation, and it's a very versatile, uh, very powerful, and potentially messy language, but it, it seems like a, I don't know. I think that's where I'm going to start telling people if you want to learn something, start with JavaScript. Plus, that's it's super easy to to learn in a browser. Yeah, we you you can see your results very easily. I mean, and and it's it's not that it it's it, there's still a lot to it, and and there's still you know like picking like again if you're wanting to do server side or 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 you know like browser side like there's you know various things that you have to think about. But yeah, um, Python was my go-to for a long time as well. And depending on what people are doing, I still think it's a good language to learn because it makes a lot of sense and it doesn't have as many like. <sighs> Anything that, that's that anal about indentation is always going to throw me. I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm opinionated about indentation, and I, I don't always agree with other people's indentation. No, I agree. I'm just more thinking like JavaScript can do this sort of thing. Like depending on what you're doing with it, like if you, you know, are you going to be into Node? Are you going to be, you know, like like what what what's your focus area? Like what's what's kind of your 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 toolkit that becomes a very becomes kind of its own thing. But I I do agree with you. I think that for well, a lot of people, like you got to learn vanilla first. I agree with that. But the problem is, is a lot of people, especially when they're looking for tutorials and stuff, they jump into, right into react and don't exactly. actually learn how javascript works precisely and and so um i feel like at least in terms of some of the educational content that's out there i feel like and that's the one regard where i feel like maybe at least right now python still has a, a slight um yeah. step up but i do agree with you that if i were like and ironically it's funny you say this because i'm going to be doing a live thing on tuesday next week talking about how people should like learn to code and where they should start. And more than likely what I'm going to be saying is exactly what we're saying, which is like JavaScript. It, like if I were to advise like a teenager right now, like somebody who's interested in stuff, I would be like, get into JavaScript because it's going to be the, as you said, the easiest to see in a browser, kind of what it does, you know, and, and like, that's well, an important and, concept. And there's zero chance it's going away. Well, that's like the it runs so much of the web and so much of the computing world in general, it's it's it has a a guaranteed. You learn JavaScript now, fifty years from now, your skills will still be of some use. Well, oh, yeah. if we still, I don't know how. Can you use JavaScript script on quantum computers? Probably. <laughs> I mean, somebody will probably, I mean, at this point, we don't know. I mean, at this point, like, the, they will probably come up with some sort of JavaScript variant for, you know, as, as an interaction thing. I mean, like, I don't know. Um, I mean, Python is not a bad thing to go with either. Like, I would certainly, but I would suggest that over, you know, like, like Java, right? Like, Java is still very in very high use in, in the enterprise and other things. But like, you know, that's what they still teach in a lot of computer science programs, and what was the static blog that was Python based? Give oh, Weatherhead uh, used to run it. Pelican. Yeah. Are there, I, I, you just don't see a lot of Python in that, in that arena. No, no. I mean, it's, I mean, you see a lot of JavaScript. Um, Hugo is Go based, but it also has a lot of JavaScript in it. Now you can write um, plugins for Hugo and JavaScript, can't you? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, which is, which is kind of its thing, you know, um, obviously Jekyll is Ruby. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like, well, because I feel like the big thing with, with Python, I mean, there was Pelican, but I feel like the big thing there was Django, right? Yeah, right. I forgot about Django. Um, yeah, we have to do an ad read. Yes, let's do, do our Do you want to do yours or should I do mine? I will do mine. Awesome. All right. So if you dread looking at your credit card statements, you are not alone. Debt can feel crippling. So Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. So whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Now, I know Brett is a happy customer, right? That is that is true. I I paid off a huge credit card debt this year with an Upstart loan and am steadily paying down on fixed monthly payments now and great credit score again. Like, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and it's definitely thanks to Upstart. That's awesome. So, with a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans between $1,000 and $50,000, and you can have your money in a day or two. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash overtired. That's upstart.com slash overtired. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash overtired. Awesome. I'm looking forward to doing my read too. I'm actually, I'm excited about both of our sponsors today. Yeah, I feel like they they, they fit us well. So thank you, Upstart. Um, all right, so maybe enough like CMS talk. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like yeah, we've worn that out. I feel like we have. Um, so... I think we talked about iTerm a little bit last week. I did see this. We could talk about that if you want to. Um, but uh, I also see, like, because this has been on here for a while, you want a new Synology, but you don't know if you can justify it. Yeah. So, like, I I have a lot of fun with my Synology. And I keep, yeah, I love like, my Synology. slowly, I add a couple terabytes to it here and there, but I've got plenty of space. And I use it for a lot of, you know, NAS stuff. But yes. I also love running all of the various applications and web server stuff it can do. It's your home lab. Yeah. But I ran into this limitation of mine where it can't run Docker. Really? And, yeah. And to to be able to run Docker, I would have to upgrade to, like, I think it's the 920 plus. And I really... I. I want to. I I don't even know offhand what I would do if I had Docker on my Synology. And the stupid thing is, I have a, an older Mac Mini that is running Docker and is connected to the network. And I really should just be happy with that until I actually have something I want to do with Docker that I can't do on the Mini. But it's still one of those things where you're like... There's a slight justification for this new piece of hardware. Maybe I maybe I should do it. Yeah. I mean, how long has it been since you got your Synology? Um, three years, I think. Okay. So I feel like I feel like, you know, you're you you've got the job now, things are more stable. I mean, I say treat yourself. Yeah. I'm of two minds. One, yes, it would be a fun decadent expense that I can't fully justify, but 
I could I could have I could find a different way to spend that money that would be just as decadent and maybe you know there are new MacBooks coming. Yeah, but you just but you said you're happy with your Mac Mini. I am. I'm happy with my Mac Mini and I still have this 2019 MacBook Pro that's in great shape. I I don't I, yeah, I don't need a new computer either. I can't justify any of these things. I sh- I can justify saving money though. I have I have a savings account. I That's can, awesome. I could cover a major home expense or uh, a, lo- a huge vacation. Like I, I have money. I have padding for the first time in how long? When did I last work for AOL? That was like 2012, maybe. Yeah, it's been a long time since I had a savings account. So, a part of like I like to spend money. I like to buy new toys, but I also like having padding like that's also a thrill this is true this is true so all right i will say this the the 920 with um four gigs of ram is 550 dollars without drives well i already have Um, all the drives right the 1520 with eight gigs of ram is um oh but i want the two ssds too Okay. Um, is is uh, in its five bays is um, six is seven hundred, so it's one hundred and fifty more. Um, but you could just upgrade the RAM yourself. There's also a seven twenty plus. I'm looking at this. That's actually smaller. Um, so I don't know. I feel like I. I, I want, guess you could think about it. I want the nine twenty plus with the two SSD cache drives. Right. And the eight gigabytes of RAM. That is the other, that is, my Synology is pretty slow. Yeah. It's like five, 520, whatever, five, nine, I don't know which one I have. Uh, it's a 19. But anyway, it is, it, it gets a little groggy sometimes. And I use it as my Git uh, for all of my private repos. I just keep them on my Synology. And doing a git push from my mac mini to my synology on the same network can there's like a five second lag before anything connects and that's a little annoying and i feel like it's it it has to do with the speed of the synology yeah that's probably part of it those ssds would fix it yeah, the the caching would help a lot. Yeah, I have um I have like one of the the eighteen series, like the but it's old. It's like old, old, old. And so yeah, it's from eighteen. Saying, That's what the numbers on them mean. No, 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 no. Then at the top, it's like a DS eighteen thirteen. Oh, oh, okay, so from, right. <laughs> so. So it's, but it's an eight bay, but it, that's like their, their highest end, like, I guess like consumer, you know, thing or whatever, or one of their highest end ones. And it's great or it was great. But at this point we literally just use it as like network storage. And we have servers that are yeah. older that we use for other stuff because, you know, like it's, it's, it's as old as this, but we still love it. But so I've been, I've been kind of going through a similar thing that you have where I've been like trying to like figure out like, okay, what, um, like what synology do I want to get and how much am I going to spend on it? Here's one thing that I've come to realize is with a five bay NAS, you can put in in like 10, 10 terabyte drives. Mm -hmm. But if one of those drives fails, you have to buy a whole nother 10 terabyte drive and they're not cheap. Right. And, uh, and, and plus it takes forever to rebuild 
when it's one fifth of your storage, uh, it takes forever to rebuild the RAID. So I see buying a, like a what nine bay mm-hmm. uh, NAS makes a lot of sense because you could have smaller, more affordable drives that are easier to replace and take less time to rebuild. Right. Well, that was kind of what we did. Like when I got mine and uh, Disclosure Synology sent me mine eight years ago or whenever it was, and it came with drives in it. And most of those drives have died, but it was one of those things where they didn't all die at once and we were able to replace them. But we've done that where we buy, like when we can get good deals on drives, we'll find the, the drives and we'll replace them. But yeah, you're right. When you have eight bays, what's nice about that is like you said, you know, you you don't have to like max everything out with a, you know, like, you know, like eight or, so or have 10 a bunch terabyte of four drive. terabyte drives and you'd be good. Exactly. And so, so that's one of the things that we do. So in that way, when, you know, one dr- dies, which they do from time to time, you know, you can like find a replacement. Let's, let's be clear. They will die. Well, yes. Like, these are course. drives in an always on machine. And the, I would say you have a guaranteed life of a year. You can get three years out of a drive, but you should absolutely plan to replace your drives uh, within five years of every drive's life and when you buy these 10 terabyte drives buy them knowing you're going to be buying another one and another one like it's scary to get those huge capacity drives yeah totally um so um yeah um but yeah that that's the thing is that it does make it easier when you have more bays to like you know like, I guess, price out what you're going to do. And then hopefully over time, what happens, I mean, this is what happened with us is that like drive prices went down, you know, so uh, that hasn't, that's not going to be the case as much uh, probably for the next year or so because of the chip shortage and everything that's happening with that. But in general, you know, drive prices go down, meaning that, you know, if, if you, even if you start out with like four terabyte things, like hopefully by the time those die, you could replace, with you know, two of them. the same exactly. price, yeah. Exactly. That's what I've been doing. Slowly, slowly replacing my four terabyte drives with six terabyte drives. And they are the same price that I paid for the four terabyte drives. Yeah. I'm going to do a sponsor read. And then I want to tell you about our upcoming guests. Yes. Hey, overtired listener. Are you overtired? Do you find yourself imbibing extra coffee just to get through the day? You need a better way to energize, and Napjitsu offers time-release caffeine to keep your energy steady throughout the day. They have a supplement called Now that is guaranteed to perk you up. And if you love a good midday, midday nap, you're not alone. You're in the company of Albert Einstein, Thomas Edison, and Stephen King, at least when it comes to opinions of naps. Napjitsu is a new way to recharge your body and your brain. Their nap formula takes you on a whole journey from restful sleep to pleasant wake up and then boost your energy for the rest of the day. They even have a nighttime supplement that will send you off to dreamland and help you wake up feeling like you actually slept. Napjitsu's natural supplements were made by people who know how it feels to be tired and busy. Their patent-pending formulas have natural ingredients like B vitamins, guarana, ginseng, uh, and caffeine to give you a boost of energy without the crash later. Uh, before I would bring this to you, dear listeners, I had to try it out myself. I, I lean towards skepticism when it comes to supplements. So 
testing came first and I tested both the now and the nap. And, uh, I have, I have to say they were pretty awesome. Uh, great naps. And like the nap one actually, uh, like helps you fall asleep for 30 minutes. And then the caffeine metabolizes and kicks in and you, and you wake up feeling super good. Um, and then you're super alert without feeling <clears throat> janky. And so I'm sold and I'm stocking up and I could see these supplements being a regular thing for me from here on out. We might have to rename the podcast if they keep working. But for a limited time, receive 30% off your first purchase when you go to napjitsu.com slash overtired. Whether you need to experience deeper sleep or unlock immediate lasting energy, each Napjitsu product is designed to help you achieve your optimal performance. Remember, the smart rest more, the wise rest better. Rest up and level up with Napjitsu. Go to napjitsu.com slash overtired for 30% off your first purchase today. That's N-A-P-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash overtired. Thanks to Napjitsu. I'm 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 an excited user. I'm 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 looking forward to my future with these uh nootropic supplements. Woohoo. Yeah. Um so uh, we have we have a guest coming next week that that you and I have talked about having on for a while. Um he, they actually it'll be our first non-binary guest. Yeah. Um they the a while back you you and I had a little uh tete a tete regarding self-diagnosis and Yes, we did. and uh and especially ASD related stuff and uh Brian Guffey he, he took issue with that and uh made some very salient points on Twitter. You guys have talked and, yeah, they uh, made some really good points and um, and and kind of agreed to disagree on some things. But I really appreciated their perspective. So yeah, and I'm always I'm always happy for someone to I, like. I, and I, I I will put this out to any of our other listeners. I'm happy for people to disagree with me, and I'm happy to like hear that. Doesn't mean I'm going to change my mind, but like I'm like remarkably happy to have like a conversation. I know I come across as like very opinionated and very like stuck in things, but that's actually not true. Like I very much enjoy a back and forth and a discussion because I my my opinions can change or my understanding can change you know this definitely won't be confrontational uh they're they're really looking forward to it and in in the discord brian said this to me and i i begged him her, them to i begged them to make it an itunes review because it was so good uh they said this is the itunes version i look forward to overtired every week because listening to brett and christina makes my adhd brain feel it's at peace because the podcast sounds like my brain <laughs> it is absolutely the most comfortable i feel each week oh that's so nice right being that's like the nicest thing being someone's comfy place that's awesome Plus, uh, they are someone who we can like relate to in a lot of things. Uh, they and I are going to like really nerd out over over a- acapella. So be prepared, Brett. Oh I'm boy, just, I'm just I'm just warning you now. Um, but yeah, this, this I'm very excited about this. I also am begging my friend uh, uh, Jeff Severns Gunsel, who has been on Systematic a couple of times, and I've been working really closely with him on some freelance stuff over the last year or two. And uh, he is, he's a lot like me. 
The last nice. couple guests we've had on have been more like you than like I agree. Me. I agree. So I want to get somebody more like you. That's that's fair. I'm excited about this. I'm I'm, I'm excited to have like two brats gang up on Christina. This is going to be fun. It'll be a change of pace. But Jeff is he's so fun. At, like he he said it sounded awesome, but he couldn't take the one I wanted to schedule him on. So we'll see. Uh, how scheduling goes, but definitely no, we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. We'll I make think, it work. I think it would be great. I think I could see him being a regular guest actually. Awesome. Um, he's also ADHD. I feel like we're going to have a lot of good mental health episodes coming up. I agree. I agree. Um, speaking of comfy places though, you know, you know, so Chuck for a long time until I finished it, uh, right, was your was, comfy place was my comfort show. And I hadn't found a real replacement for it yet. I'm actually going through uh, Modern Family again right now, which is... I like Modern Family. It's an outstanding show. Some of the best writing on television at the time. And and you know what? Good for fucking Ed O'Neill for making just, like, fuck tons of money between, like, um, Married with Children and Modern Family. Like, good for him, right? Wait, what does Married with Children have to do with Modern Family other than... well, Ed O'Neill, as it's just a myth, oh, okay. like, like the actor. Oh, I, I didn't know that like, was his name. Okay, that now I put it together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there was like, I thought it was the same producer or something. No, 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 not at all, not at all, not at all. Um, but uh, yeah, would, no. That would be a stretch. But anyway, the show that I found that replaced Chuck that has like the same feel for me is mm-hmm. Castle. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Like, and, and we were just we were watching Firefly before it started, and so right. there's these little Firefly Easter eggs in Castle. Uh, Nathan Fillion like shows up for a Halloween costume with a as a space cowboy with his red duster on, and yeah. it's 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 fun, and it's the perfect role for Nathan, Nathan Fillion. Oh, it uh, really is. I haven't uh, seen him that. Like it's 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 him. It's his role. That, that's what he will always be now. No, I agree with you on that. And like that was a really good role for him. And it ran a long time. Um, I just I just uh, googled it. It was 173 episodes, so that's good because you have a lot of episodes yeah, right? <laughs> to go through, which is good for comfort show. So I and I don't know how far I'm going to get into this because I'd never liked it that much when it aired originally. But I'm revisiting it 21 years later, and I. I kind of have a slightly different experience. So, okay. I've always been, you know, like TV shows, like at least this used to be the case where like, you know, you kind of have like a brand of like, this is the network I watch for these types of shows. I was always an NBC person. You know, I liked the NBC dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I liked some of the stuff, you know, at least drama wise on, on ABC. I loved the WB because I am always going to be a teen. Um, but, um, you know, and Fox had some comedies that I enjoyed. CBS had a few things, but I was never, I've never been like a huge CBS person, at least in my lifetime now. Like historically, like in the 70s and stuff, like in, in the 60s, like CBS was the shit. But like, I've never really been a huge CBS television person. But the other day I started rewatching CSI and mm. like from the beginning and kind of like you kind of have like just something on in the background. I, I'm not hating it. It's funny to see like how much the tech has changed and so you know, walk, sorry, walk me back is the first one was Las Vegas, right? Yes. And it had that super hot light skinned black guy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the, and the former dancer, 
Yes, Mark Mark Helgenberger. Yeah, and uh, that was the um, best one. Yeah, totally. And and that's the one I'm watching. And and, and then the uh, the the girl from ER and uh, the West Wing, Georgia Fox, and the hot guy from Savannah, which was a soap that uh, an Aaron Spelling soap that aired on the WB in 1996. <laughs> you would um, know that. I would know that, and it's it's. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he he played a, a guy who was murdered and his twin brother. And I remember this. I didn't even have to Google this. I just I remember this because that's my broken brain. No, so I'm like half. I'm like almost done with the first season now, and I don't know how far I'm gonna get into it. But it's one of those things that because when it aired, I was in high school, and um, I think it originally then did go on 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 Thursday nights. I don't think it ever went up against DR because that would have been dumb on CBS's part. But, um, uh, you know, like I, I just didn't watch, t- I just didn't watch it. You know, like I was aware of it, but I just didn't really watch it. Um, like I, if I was going to do a crime show thing, I would do a law and order. If I was going to do more medical thing, I was going to do uh, an ER. And then, um, NBC did their own kind of variation on CSI called crossing Jordan, which I actually really liked. Um, and, but I did watch it in syndication some, and then I remembered uh, the, the Miami one was the one with Caruso, uh, his uh, his return to television after. And the uh, who? Yeah, well, yeah, well, they they always use the Who in their theme songs. Um, but David Caruso was in uh, Horatio. He's in Miami along with um, the uh, the hot Republican chick from um, um, West Wing. I Andy. never saw West Wing. I can't. I I, I can't help. Um, Okay, you would like the West Wing. Okay, Ansley from the West Wing. Um, uh, Emily Proctor, that's her name. She has a really great voice. That's why I think this stands out. But, like, that's really all I remember. I don't think I've ever seen any other ones. But now I'm, like, rewatching CSI, and it's funny because I'm kind of like, yeah, this isn't I, – I, I'm understanding, like, why it was, like, a really big hit. I'm very bothered constantly by the complete and utter like lack of even pretending to care about like civil liberties or like (laughs) rights or anything like that with with the accused like it is it is like appalling to watch it from that perspective but um it's interesting because they shot it in on 35 millimeter so it looks like it could be shot now, right? Like it's, it's really, and it was an expensive show. So like, it looks really well done, but then the thing that will, uh, other than the, the clothing, some of the other stuff, the thing that ages it is like the tech that they're using, which, you know, like the, the, the computers that, that you see and like the pagers sure. like that. And that's, that's kind of a mind trip to do. But uh, anyway, that's, so you are, you're watching castle. I'm watching CSI and I don't know how far I'm going to get into it, but um, it, yeah, I, I, what happened? I kind of burned out on normal like true crime because at this point, like I feel like I know all the cases. Um, Grant and I were talking about this how like it's a problem if you're watching Cold Case and you realize you know the case they're talking about, but you haven't seen that episode of Cold Case before. You've seen another crime show that's talked about the same case, and you're like, oh yeah, I know this case. And so I'm like, all right, maybe it's time for fictional, you know, uh, murders instead. <laughs> fictional uh, self-contained episodes where a problem is solved in one week. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I don't think they ever did story arcs on CSI, but I don't remember. Well, they kind of did, but it wasn't like, like they had, they, they had some like, uh, but it was, you know, some of the interpersonal things would carry on, but it wasn't like it was a strongly interpersonal show like you yeah. it was designed so you could come in and come out but like two of the characters like grissom and, and uh, uh uh sarah uh like 
we're in a relationship. I remember, I remember the internet like going crazy when, cause they'd only hinted at it. And then they like ended one of the episodes, like six seasons in and they're like in bed together. And it's like, Oh yeah, they've been together for a while now. We just didn't say anything about it. And it's just been happening off screen and like the audience lost their minds. Um, which is funny because yeah, I mean that that's an approach. And apparently now the, the reason I got into this and I haven't watched the new one is apparently they have not even apparently this is fact. They've rebooted it and announced CSI Vegas and they brought back William Peterson and Georgia Fox, uh, who were the pair that was in a relationship and as well as some, um, some new people to do like a 10 episode reboot with the potential for more episodes. So, all right. Yeah. Bruckheimer can, can make even more money. I'll be cur- keep me posted as you go through CSI. This there's this thing that was like super common with 90s shows or early 2000s for that matter where for the first season and most of the second season they would very much be single episode doses. Like yeah. there's a problem set up in the cold open and it's solved with a tight, tidy little bow by the end of the half hour or one hour, depending on the show. And right. they they have the formula. You come to love the formula. You, you know what to expect, and it feels comfortable. And then they start doing multi-episode plots. Yes. And then by season five, there's a, a story arc that takes the whole season. Like, they set something up in episode one, and you keep tuning back in to follow the same story. And it's a different kind of serial storytelling. And it seems to be the pattern. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going through old shows now and these are things I never noticed before, but it seems to happen to just about every show from that era, which like shows now there aren't most shows that are worth watching are, longer plot arcs yeah no most of them are serialized right like most of them are going to be are going to have that in large part because at this point many people now binge watch so they've started to to build it in like it's weird because some of them are still designed to be watched you know one episode a week or whatnot but there is this understanding that people are going to watch many at a time so it so makes do more it sense Netflix style and thing. dump them all at once and just make right a day exactly. Of it. So, so so you need to have like a continuing you know story thing where you get to know stuff and so they can you know start with with you know one arc and then go through you know the end and you're right it did change in the 2000s um, there were some shows that would do kind of a mix of things ER was like a good example where they had like things that could last you know whole seasons. Um, but they had other things happening too. And like, like, like subplots that, that go on across a season, but then each episode still has a kind of a formulaic right. exactly. beginning and end. Exactly. Exactly. And like, like ER, I think like did a good job with that. Then you had things like the wire where it was very determined from the beginning of each season had a theme and was unraveling like a certain, you know, thing. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah. I, I also have never seen The Wire. The Wire and The West Wing, I feel like I need to watch eventually. Oh, yeah. I tried yeah. Mad Men. Like, I always, people always talk about Mad Men, and it won a bunch of awards, and I always, I love John Hamm, and I thought, well, someday I'll sit down and watch Mad Men. So, I recently tried, and I could not get into it. It's so fucking slow. It, it, it hurts me. Like, I can't, I can't, I'm on, like, four episodes in, and I just can't do it anymore. 
Yeah. Um, I love Mad Men, so I don't want to tell you there. But so I also, does Al. Like, it, maybe it's just me. Yeah, because I, I, slow is not something that I would think about with that show. I mean, maybe it's not fast moving, but I just feel like it's a good character study. I don't know. It's just, it, it's a really good show. Um, We're episodes Wire, in and really nothing had happened. It was all character development. Yeah. That it's a very character strong show. I mean, honestly, because it's about an ad agency. It's not going to have a ton of, there are some plot lines and some things that expose themselves, but it is really a character drama. It's, it's not, you know, like. I need a conflict to get me interested. So you would enjoy the, you would enjoy the wire in that regard. Yeah. Um, uh, I would also recommend if you haven't seen it, it's not on streaming, but you can get it on Plex. Um, I, I've said this before, but I will once again recommend um, Homicide um, Life on the Street because that is in many ways like the the precursor for all that. And that was based on David Simon's book, and he wound up writing for it for a little bit. And that is the best cop show ever, 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 ever. Um, it, it, like – it was, and they were doing fast cuts. Like now you would watch it and you would feel like it was slow moving. But like when they, and when it came out in like 93, like they were doing jump cut stuff that was disturbing, like disconcerting to people to the point that like reviewers would comment on it, you know, and they were like, oh, we don't know if audiences will be able to, you know, like kind of keep up with the the edit style and whatnot. And um, um, it was uh, canceled several times by NBC and then saved several times um, but yeah, uh, homicide is like, uh, Andre Brower, um, before he was on Brooklyn nine, nine was, a, a detective, uh, Frank Wh- Pimbleton. Which one's and Andre? He's the black guy. He's the captain. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he won Emmys for that role and on homicide. I mean, it's a drama. Uh, it's also, uh, where, uh, Richard Belzer, um, his detective Munch character who has gone on to be on like dozens of other shows, like had a, he like had a whole, like. 10 season arc on on law and order svu uh the character was created for homicide and he was a character on homicide nice all right uh so yeah that 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 that's a good one so i will check it out after castle maybe after, yeah after Castle. no i always out. watch three or four shows at once it's well, nice well, to give, give it a shot i i will say like it, it's gonna be because you'll only be able to find it on on sd um and DVD rips. Give it a shot. It's a 90s show. It is going to be, even though they make the, the quick cuts, it's going to be kind of slower paced and some of the stuff is whatnot. But it's it's a really good show. Like, it's... Speaking of rips, my Plex stopped. I can't load it on my Apple TV anymore. Huh. Like, I can still get to it through the web interface. I can still right. get to it from my iPad. But on the Apple TV, my server just shows up with the little yellow triangle and says it's not online and i can't figure out i can't figure out how to remove it and re-add it i can't figure out why it wouldn't be it's driving me nuts because i have I, I got northern exposure on there nice and that was kind of my other comfort show and now i can't watch it on my apple tv and that's driving me nuts nice that is the uh, other yeah. thing i do with my synology is run my own plex server yeah we do that too um Northern Exposure, do you have it with the original music? Uh, I do not know, um, but I also have News Radio, which (gasps) holds up very well. Oh, my God. I was going to say, News Radio is my favorite sitcom of the 90s, hands down. Yeah, it it was my. In my opinion, and that's one of my comfort shows. That's one of those shows I can watch forever. And in my opinion, like, News Radio was the best comedy of the 90s. And it's it was... 
the DVDs are great because they have tons of audio commentaries and they got, this is amazing. They got the guy who ran uh, programming and like the schedule for NBC who hated them. They got him on one of the commentaries, like with the creator and some of the actors and basically got him to admit that like, yeah, he was just kind of being a dick and didn't care what the rating said. He was going to move them around to a million different times so no one could find it because he just didn't get the show or like the show. Um, it was a very interesting commentary. They also got um, um, Warren Littlefield, who was the president of NBC and also was kind of nice to the show and then was kind of not nice to the show. They got him on the commentary tracks, too. And he had to kind of have a mea culpa. It, kind of awkward conversations, but also brilliant. And uh, it makes me miss DVD commentaries because... Um, that's the sort of shit that, uh, there are very few shows that would do like, but it makes sense. Like with those writers and those producers that they'd be like, yeah, we're going to bring on people who are really shitty to us and ask them questions that we know the fans would want to know. Do you think we would have Joe Rogan if it wasn't for news radio? No. There's a downside. Um, anyway. Well, actually I'm not sure. Um, probably not, but there's still an alternate universe where because of a stand-up comedy, he could have gotten fear factor. And Fear Factor is was what then led him to doing, you know, he still did stand-up and comedy and stuff like that, and that led to the podcast. I'm not really sure, honestly. Probably uh, it would be different, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure that there'd be like a whole butterfly effect if we remove Joe, Joe Rogan from the equation, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, well, he was, originally, he was originally not supposed to be. It was supposed to be Ray Romano, and Ray Romano got fired. Oh, well, that sucks. I like well, Ray. He, well, Ray was apparently very bad, and um, and uh, he owned it. And apparently, like he like he was just not good. And so they fired him like the first day or first week or whatever. So he didn't even make it to like the pilot filming. <laughs> and um, um, but Ray was fine because then he, Wait, he got. So you're saying he would have been the he would have been the maintenance guy on um, news radio. I believe so I think so. Oh, that would be that would be pretty funny. Because anyway. I'm pretty sure Joe Rogan's not in the pilot. I'm pretty sure that they had, had they had to have somebody else in his place because again, like they'd fired Ray Romano. Um, but uh, yeah, but then a year later, within a year, Ray Romano gets his own fucking sitcom. So yeah, he he did all right. He did fine. Yeah, and and, you know, and and Joe Rogan for all of his problems was great on news radio. He was. He was very lovable when you didn't know about the rest of him. Right. Well, I mean, when you when you didn't realize that, like, he was essentially playing himself, right? Like, <laughs> you know, conspiracy theory, like, kind of machismo guy. I mean, I don't know. He 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 was. Uh, everybody on that show was great. All right, Lulu is at a breaking point. The only reason she's not yes. barking right near the microphone is because I'm scratching her head right now. But if I stop, okay. she'll bark. So we should wrap up. We should totally wrap up. This has been fun. I'm looking yes. forward to next week with Brian. Me too. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, I think there's still a listener survey that'll be in our sh uh, show notes that I'd love it if you hey. filled it out. And uh, hey, hey, Christina, get some sleep. Get some sleep, Brett. The system is going down low.